When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another edition of Outside Shots with Ed, my man Eddie Johnson right here. I'm Saul Bookman. This is presented to you, as always, by OG's Brands, the best edible in the game. Eddie, uh, a lot of stuff, as usual, happened in the NBA this week. But let's start off with your boy, LeBron, and his antics, and how the Lakers continue to get screwed. <laughs> always crying. First of all, Obviously, we we saw what happened with LeBron against the Celtics. They get you know he gets hit on the arm. They don't call a foul. Yada yada yada. He starts you know putting on a performance of epic proportions. What was your take on that? Well, I, I think you know it's all about rhythm. And sometimes you think it's a conspiracy against you. Sometimes as a player. Sometimes as a team. But it's been really weird for the Lakers this year. <laughs> Let's just put it where it is. It's been really weird. I mean they. They've lost a lot of close games. And they've lost some games that they got some really unfortunate calls at the end. I think NBA officials are the best officials in sports. I agree. Why? They have to make their calls spontaneously. They can't delay like in football, even in hockey, or especially in baseball. You know, you have to blow that whistle quickly. And if you don't, the play continues. I've never seen a game stop where official says, Hold up, hold up, hold up. That last <laughs> basket doesn't count because he fouled somebody here. The only time we might see it is with technical fouls. They'll wait till the play is finished and then they'll call the tech. Or 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 they'll they'll wait to see if the guy makes the shot because but, they, it maybe it was a little ticky tacky and they're like, I'm not gonna get that. him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that they do it. I think just call the game the way it is, but I I get keep flow going and, and every it's kind it's a contact sport. It's not a non contact sport. Mm-hmm. So with all that said, and then the Lakers struggles, right? And the desperation to get out of the play-in, right? No one wants to be in the play-in. Yeah, nobody. They have to get into the play-in because right now they're outside of it. But every game counts now. And let's face it, LeBron is an historian. He, he's one of the few great players that really understand the history of the game. Mm-hmm. Playing in Boston Garden looking up in those rafters, that game's important to him. Yeah. Like beating Jason Tatum is important to him. He's running for MVP. So the history that he's had in Boston, like, you know, dealing with KD and Paul Pierce and Rondo and KG, KG, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, KG and Kendrick Perkins and, and all those guys. So that's the history. Yeah. And he gets pumped up for that. And, that was their game. 
And to go in there and lay it up and get hacked. And the way that ended, it was deflating to him. They still went to overtime. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's what you got to understand. He doesn't have that high of a confidence in his group right now. Yeah, because they're trash. Well, okay, you can say they're trash, but that's why you got the reaction you got. Because he did all he could. Like, a LeBron in his prime probably would have relished the opportunity of overtime. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a dude that's 38 years old. Yeah. Like, he's putting it all out there, and he's got to now look at another five minutes. So the, everybody has different reactions. Like, your reaction when you missed that putt yesterday was kind of disturbing. After you made a few. But I didn't care. You play golf with people. Some people walk away. And I think you probably realize this about me. I never show my anger on the golf course. <laughs> never. Where, where did I show anger? I have never like, throw heard. throw a club. I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about, like, for me, missing a shot. Yes. When? Yeah, all day yesterday. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What? Give me an example. Remember when you were like, man, you lucky I'm not missing all these putts. And I was like, dude, that's, I just shanked one off the tee box. What are you anger, talking about? But that's not, and what I mean by anger, Saul. You were dropping F-bombs. What are you Saul, talking about? Saul, no. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Saul, that's not true when you know it. I'm talking about body language. I'm talking about, like, how people throw their clubs. Okay. And all of that. That's what I'm talking about. And so... You're never going to get that. It's internal. Some people, it's not internal. And some people will throw their clubs. Some people will stomp. Okay. I don't care. That's what I'm getting to. I don't care. Like, however you bring out your frustration to get rid of it, to handle it, it's fine with me. Everybody's not equal. So LeBron's reaction, you know what it showed me? That he still loves the game. Of course. Of course. Like, that he still cares that if he loses... He's a billionaire. This dude's going to own his own team. This dude has everything. He makes movies. He does everything. He could be settled. And he's still hurt because he lost. And I, that's why I try to tell people, I wish everybody was like that in everything that they do. So you want to get on him by how theatrical he was. He was just upset. I've seen some people in church, they sit there and they still with the Lord. And I've seen some people get up and they run around the church. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so yeah. it's, you know, it's it's in you how you are. And and so for me, I have no issue with that. Uh, I think we saw Steph Curry throw his damn mouthpiece into the crowd. We saw him stomp and scream. I got plenty of videos on YouTube. Michael Jordan ticked off. I got a video up right now. He ticked off at me. Okay, because he fouled me at the end of a game. Oh, I remember okay? that. So everybody has their own way. But it seems like LeBron, because he is the most popular and the most well-known athlete, probably right in the, in the on earth right now, basically, uh, outside of soccer, I think people enjoy the ones that don't like him, the ones that love Michael Jordan, the ones that love Kareem. They enjoy what they saw. I. I get what you're saying, but I think you're romanticizing it just a bit. Like, let's be real, okay? The the whole just I, I you get fouled, cool. That's fine. You can be upset about that all you want, and he had every right to be upset about that for sure. I'm not even going to uh, dispute that. But what I will say is this: if you bitch 
and complain the entire game about every single thing that happens to you. You know what happens at the end of the game? Nothing. Just like that. Because refs at some point, and you know this, Eddie, if you complain too many times, they don't know what's real and what's not real in terms of, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, I missed that one. Or no, you're right, or I, I should have called this or whatever. So at the end of the game, when he's sitting there flailing and he's upset about what, what happened, like, yeah, it's a missed call, but... I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to worry about it because you've been crying this whole game about all these other little nicky knack things that have been happening to you. You're the best in the game. Get through it. You know how this goes. That's that's where I keep coming back to. It's like, bro, just just move I, on. I don't even know the number, but I would bet LeBron in regards to technical fouls is pretty low. Yeah. You don't. You team, know why? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. Well, because he's LeBron. No, no, the second one. The second one, he can control it because they, they're going to be hesitant to kick him out of a game. I'll give you that, but not the first one. He doesn't get a ton of text because he shows, he shows actually respect to the officials because he walks over to them and talks to them, whereas Draymond Green gets demonstrative sometimes, throwing his hands around yeah, and all that, and he yeah. gets text. So it's a way to approach officials. I happen to think LeBron is really more mild-mannered than most great players. But they all complain. I mean, most players complain today's game drives me nuts. I get that. But Saul, forget about all that. It, the dude flagrantly fouled him. It wasn't a flagrant foul. He flagrantly fouled him. And people don't understand what I mean by that. Meaning that Jason Tatum knew the game was over. He knew LeBron was going to lay it up. So he's like, well, forget that. I'm just going to foul him and hopefully he doesn't make both free throws. That was his last resort. He flagrantly fouled his arm. The official standing there doing this. Look. And didn't call it. Come on, man. I mean, like, did he freeze? Did the official freeze? I guarantee that official got a fine. The league never tells you that they find yeah, officials, yeah. but he got fined. Because that was just blatant. Yeah, it was. And so the reaction, I think, from the blatant. Okay, a couple of games ago, it came out in the two-minute report that uh, he got fouled at the end of the game. I forgot the end of the game. Well, it was. Well, I have a list of all the, the things between the Celtics, 76ers, Kings, and Mavs from this month alone. I think it was, I think it was, um, I, think it was uh, I don't know, was it the so, Kings maybe? It was maybe, no, 76ers. I think they said MB fouled him or something. He had to lay yeah, up or something. Yep, yep. Okay. He didn't run around uh, crazy Chris, with that. Christian Wood. Christian, Christian Wood. Wood, yeah. He didn't run around crazy with that one. Yeah. He didn't. It, the, the the layup was just blatant. Like, it was just... And they didn't call it. Yeah. I would kick and scream, too. Like, I mean, if you really want to win. Like, did it bring the kid out of him? Yeah, it did. But it, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, man, that dude, that dude right there, that dude does not like to lose. And trust me, I have played with some greats. They didn't give a rat's ass. Huh. Okay. You get me? And, like, we go in the locker room, and it seems like they're just back to normal. Mm -hmm. That bothered me. You talk to anybody that freaking played with me, anybody, they will tell you they hated to be around me when we lost. Yeah. I hated it. And so that's why I understand it. I, I, you lose yourself. That damn shot I hit in 97 against the, against the Jazz. Mm -hmm. You think I would ordinarily do that shit what I did after that? 
Those high what knees. What did I do, man? The high knees. I turned around like I was in a damn marching band. <laughs> Just the- you think I you think I had control of my body with that one? <laughs> if it wasn't for the chili at the other end holding her arms out like she wanna hug, I would have probably still been running. <laughs> Don't nobody know when emotion comes out of them, man. You get in an argument with your woman and she says some stuff, you about lose your mind. Yeah, yeah. That's why people are so hypocritical, man, with that stuff. They think he's supposed to be perfect. Yeah. Nobody perfect, man. Perfect is a lie. But I'm damn near perfect. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned the whole, you know, nobody wanted to be around you when you lost thing because I kind of felt like that a little bit yesterday after you lost. Uh, so obviously, you know, the, the LeBron antics, whatever, that's fine. But, uh, you know, uh, some people had some feedback, not just me. Uh, a guy by the name of Chandler Parsons got onto Twitter and said this, uh, this tweet, you went at him. And... <laughs> And that tweet went viral. Uh, what, what was your what was your mindset on that? Why 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 go after Chandler Parsons? He's because kinda, because know. one of the things I do on Twitter, you follow me, is I'm like a Twitter cop for the history of our game. And when I I have a lot of respect for a lot of people on Twitter, like. I think people respect me that are lawyers because I actually understand some things about law, but I'm not going to try to debate them, Mm -hmm. but I'll ask them questions about law, right? I'll I'll ask people questions about certain things, politics that they're in, and they'll say, okay, well, Eddie's done his homework, right? So, okay, I I can respond to what he's saying, and we can have a good conversation. You know, a lot of people on Twitter, man, social networking in general, they just want to come out and they just want to say stuff. Mm -hmm. And and so I kind of put them in their place uh, and I call them couch potatoes and water boys. Now, they might not like it, but that's what you are. Like if you're sitting there and you're just giving a one second blurb about he sucks, he stinks, they're not good. But you're not breaking down why they're not good. You're a water boy and a couch potato. All day long. Preach. Okay, so I'm going to call you that till I'm blue in the face. There's some people I don't call that. Because they break it down. But if you want to have some spontaneous remark about somebody sucks, you suck. (laughs) Because you're lazy. Because you don't want to do your research. You just want to just say something that's on your mind. I'm not going to allow it to happen. So for those ones that when I call them stoops, I call them water boys and couch potatoes, that's why I call you that. So get with it. That's it. It really bothers me when somebody that's not that and they say something crazy, Chandler Parsons. I happen to thought that Chandler Parsons was a decent basketball player. He was decent, Mm -hmm. but his body was not decent. Okay. He couldn't stay healthy. That happens to a lot of people. Okay. So he made a lot of money though. He made over a hundred million dollars. I mean, he fleeced Memphis, okay? Yeah, he did. Good for him. Like, <laughs> I wish I could have fleeced some damn body. Okay, so happy for you. That's fine, but you couldn't play because health wouldn't let you, all right? And then he's going to make fun of LeBron. You're not the one, man. Like, you're not the one because your resume doesn't speak for it. Like, you gave in. You couldn't fight through, Okay. You couldn't fight through to stay on the court. Yeah. So you can't do that. Like, you can't make fun. Somebody, well, he made a reference to if his dog got hit. 
by a, by a car that he he wouldn't even do that. So I know the love that people have for dogs. So obviously he's, his dog means a lot to him. So he's saying, even if my dog got hit by a car, which should disturb dog lovers, you wouldn't even show that much emotion that LeBron showed. Mm. You are not the one, man. And that's, that's what I just wanted to let him know. You're not the one. You didn't play, okay? You spent more time on Twitter than you did on the court. And the Memphis Grizzlies front office, what do you think they're doing every time they looked at that damn contract? Yeah. They were probably doing something worse than LeBron. Yeah. So that's why I went at him. You know, I mean, he, he's been very critical of a lot of players, but just know your history, man. I just, I, I, can't nobody ever challenge me on the history of this game. I'm telling you, I've been around, I got here in the 80s, I followed basketball, late 60s, when I first fell in love with the game, all the way through the 70s, played in the 80s, halfway in the, mostly in the 90s, and I've been calling Suns games since the 2000s. You want to sit here and have an argument with me about history? Bring it on. That's all. So Chandler Parsons might not like me right now. And guess what? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Speaking of not caring, all-star voting. Uh, <laughs> all-star voting happened this week. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm just, I'm over the fans, personally. I'm, I'm over the fans voting for players to get into the all-star game. Uh, case in point, let's just take it local. Devin Booker is 10th uh, amongst guards uh, in terms of uh, the, the fan vote. Uh, and Austin Reeves received more votes than Devin Booker. That's where you've lost me completely. Uh, and we've seen this before. We saw last year uh, the K-pop stands uh, voting for Andrew Wiggins to be a starter in the All-Star game, mm -hmm. which he was. Uh, and, and Wiggins had a great year. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have been an All-Star. But he shouldn't have been an all-star starter. There's no way. So as, as a player that's gone through this before and seen other guys get recognized and, and maybe even yourself, maybe uh, a time or two you felt like maybe you, you deserved an all-star nod. What, what is your take on the fans' impact on all-star voting? Um, and do you think they got it right this year? No, I, I don't agree with fans voting i know i know they split it up now you know they yeah so split it's 50 percent it for fans and then 25 percent for media and 25 percent for the players yeah so you know i'm, I'm okay with that i guess because i think this is a fan sport they they they're the reason why the nba is where it is and so it's always good to include them in what's going on but i do have an issue with them and it's unfair I mean, I think, you know, if, if, if China loves you as a player, you're probably going to get a ton of votes. Oh, yeah, you are. Uh, and, and that's an advantage there. Uh, I know people say, man, well, you know, you all like the fifth, fourth or fifth or sixth largest city in the country. Yeah, Phoenix is. But Phoenix has so many different people yeah. from all over the country living here. And they come with their own alliances. Like for me, I'm not going to lie. I know it's well known in the Valley. I'm, I'm strictly a Valley guy. Don't get me wrong. I support the Cardinals. I like the Cardinals. I like the Coyotes. I like the Diamondbacks. But let me tell you, I'm a diehard Chicago Bear fan. Mm -hmm. If I had to vote for a Bear first, I will. If I had to vote uh, for a Cub first, I will. I grew up with that. I'm not giving that up. 
Yeah. And so I think that's the so that's the same personality with a lot of people that live in the city. So I think that's what costs a lot of our athletes here when it comes to the voting process. We really don't get the bulk. Whereas in LA, they're all Lakers, right? And in New York, they're all Knicks. Up in the Bay Area, they're all Bay Area. And then mm-hmm. that I think that's that's the difference and that gives them the advantage. And it's disappointing. It is disappointing to see that because Devin Booker is the best two guard in the NBA. Man. Absolutely. And for he's on the cover of freaking the uh, 2K. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me – now forget about Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves probably looked at that and like, whoa, he probably took a picture of it to show his kids, you know, that he's going to have in the future if he doesn't have any now. But it's not about Austin Reeves. It's not about anybody that finished ahead of Devin. It's about the process and, and the lack of respect that I think that people have for the voting process. And that's that, to me, bothers me. Uh Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid is the most dominant player in the NBA. You're going to tell me that three forwards over there are all better than him? No. And I'm not going to even say the one that I think he should have got in over, you know, because I think they're all all all-stars. But you're going to tell me a guy that's leading scorer in the league, guy that's the most dominant paint player in the game, uh, out of those three, arguably could be the best defender, okay, and you're gonna, and they had the best record at the point in time. Philadelphia's been playing the best basketball of anybody, and you're gonna tell me that that dude shouldn't be starting at center. And here's the other part: the positionalist mindset. Yeah, these people are trying to turn basketball. I don't know what they're trying to turn basketball. I grew up saying, okay, you're a point guard, you're a two guard, you're a small forward, you're mm-hmm. a power forward, you're a center. That's what I believe in. I think you have a definition of what you are and you carry it like a badge of honor. In the 80s, small forwards was a plethora of us. You know, I mean, that is the reason why I didn't make all-star teams because that's how they were voting. You know, you had Kiki Vandeweghe, Purvis Short, Bernard King, Larry Bird, James Worthy. Uh, you know, you, you had Mike Mitchell with San Antonio, an unknown guy, Larry Nance, mm-hmm. all, Mark Aguirre, Adrian Dantley. That's why I couldn't make them. Yeah, because I was a small forward. I wish it was positionless back then. I would have made them. It was a couple of All Star games I went to, averaging twenty three, twenty four points. So that 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 to me, for them to do that, change it to positionless basketball and try to ignore the center, it's just it's sickening to me. And and Jokic and Embiid should be recognized for how great they are as centers, because I guarantee you, those guys that's getting in before them or before the guys or starting, they can't play center. Just like Jokic can't play two guard. Yeah. You know, so that yeah, bothers me. Yeah. Well, you know, what I do love, though, is that it continues to feed the fire of some of these guys. And I think we just saw it on Sunday. Uh, I thought one of the better basketball games I've seen this year and in, in, in Joel Embiid's performance against Jokic, um, you have the two-time MVP going against a guy that – a lot of people have been dismissing yeah. as, as the MVP possible yeah. uh, in favor of Jokic. And then you see it firsthand in front of you and you're like, whoa, okay. Like th- there's, there's levels to this. And I think what, what Joel Embiid can do, uh, he can take over a game scoring wise. He can take over the game in many different aspects. Um, and I know Jokic gets the credit for being this versatile, you know, all everything. Any, and don't get me wrong. He's one of the two best centers in the game. But um, I do think that there's a little bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of a, a glorifying of of his. Uh, I don't know what's the best way to say this production. 
mm-hmm. um, versus Embiid. Because if you take Embiid off of the 76ers, there's no way they, they make a conference finals. There's no way, shit, they might not even make the playoffs. But, and, and the same thing could be said about Jokic. But Joel Embiid's performance, I don't feel like is so drastically far off of Jokic where he should be dismissed as, as you know, he's the number two, clearly. I don't think he is. I actually think Joel Embiid is better than Jokic myself. Because if I was to pick one of those two teams to start a franchise with, I want the more dominant player. And mm-hmm. to me, Embiid's dominance in taking over a game when necessary, I think rises him above Jokic, whereas Jokic is one of the best facilitators at the center position we've ever seen in this game, can drop 30, 20, and 10 on any given night. Yeah, had a triple-double um, last night. Exactly. 15, 15 and but 15. But in, ter- in, in my estimation, to take over a game scoring-wise, right, where – that's what you're measured against when it comes down to like clutch time minutes and, and being able to really produce for your team. That's what I saw Embiid do on Sunday um, that I don't necessarily think that uh, Jokic is at the same level as. Embiid's a dog, man. And all, all due respect to Jokic. Jokic is unbelievable mm-hmm. in the environment that he's in. Extremely talented, uh, multifaceted. I mean, he's he's a, a center, but with a point guard game, power forward game. He he covers all the bases. He's amazing. He's simply amazing. But as, as I got into this discussion the other day, MB is just a dog. Like we've seen over the past in the playoff setting. Now people can argue and say, well, Jokic has gotten further than MB. That's true in the playoffs, but. We've seen Jokic like have to didn't step up with the dog mentality uh, when he needed to. Yeah, you'll look and you he'll have those numbers, but you don't sense like he's out there just like just hurting people. Like he gets the ball, you kind of want to have get out of his way. That despite him not making shots, is he going to keep going forward? Mm-hmm. And I think you know that's just the beauty of his game. He's a very unselfish player, and that's fine. But MB's a dog, man. Like, and what I mean by that is, is that he doesn't care. He's going for it. And he's had to fight for the ball. Jokic does not. And so Jokic's numbers are always going to be better across the board because he doesn't have to fight for the ball. He's touching the ball probably 90% of the time, every time up and down the court. Where MB has had to play with Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, James Harden. He uh Ben Simmons had the ball when he played with him. He had to play with guys that had the ball. So he didn't have the touches like Jokic. So Jokic's numbers are going to be better. Yeah. But I'm talking about dominant in that paint, just taking ownership of where of what his strengths are. He's better at that. And head-to-head competition, since they both have started to play against each other, Embiid has gotten the best of Jokic across the board. The only statistical column I think that Jokic actually leads him in head-to-head is assists. Mm-hmm. That's it. Embiid has dominated him. So right there tells me. But I love both players. But if I had to choose one, I'm taking Embiid all day long. There you go. There you go. Listen, if you're upset about that, I got something for you. You can just take some OGs to calm yourself down because it's not that serious. All right. Listen, Joel Embiid's one of the best in the game. So is Jokic. We're not dismissing either one of those two. It's always an insult to make somebody number two. (laughs) Always. Like like, if, if I say LeBron's the GOAT, you're insulting Michael Jordan. You're insulting Kareem. You're insulting Kobe. I'm not. How can you insult somebody that's like revered and that high well, out of the out of the thousands of players that have played this game? The thing that I always the the argument is never for me. It's never 
who's better. My argument is always, I, I think Michael Jordan is better, but I'm not going to make that argument to dismiss exactly. LeBron or say, well, LeBron's accomplishments don't mean right. as more as Michael's. And now, I'm not going to push back on you because you chose yeah. Michael. I mean, it's as like, simple as that. I, I, it's just the way I view it and the way someone else views it, but people just get all over their feelings. And, and then it goes back to what we started the show with. That's People carry their feelings to be able to put negativity on the person that they look yeah. at as the biggest threat to the person that they hold high. Yeah, That's all it is with LeBron. And so instead of enjoying what he's getting ready to do, like, do you understand, man, how difficult it is to score and then pass? We've seen it with Jokic. We've seen it with Doncic to a point. But guess what? This dude has done it. Right now, he's top four all-time in assists. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be the all-time leading scorer with about, what, 80-plus points left. Do you People, do you understand how difficult that is? Like, I was a scorer. I was like two and a half assists. Even if I tried to balance it, it's hard. Yeah. What this dude has done, man, to be in the top in both of those categories is disturbing. No one will ever do that. No one will ever do that. I'm telling you, man. That is Kareem's record they thought nobody would get. Oscar's record they thought no one would get. I'm telling you right now, we won't see anybody be the all-time leading scorer and be top five in assists. Ever. That won't ever happen again. And that's why I look at him as a goat because that's what gets me over, you know, because winning titles is a team freaking thing. Yeah. And I'm tired of people talking about MJ 6-0. Scotty 6-0. Ron Harper was a part of that. Dennis Rodman, the best rebounder, probably pound for pound history of the game, was a part of that. Jerry Krause, who put the team together. Phil Jackson, who coached the damn team. Steve Kerr, who made a big-ass shot against Portland to help them win a title. John Paxson, here in Phoenix, hit one. It's a team freaking sport, man. So when you talk about individual basketball player, a dude that covered all bases from a basketball standpoint, that's how I really compute who I think was the best basketball player. All right, so maybe maybe EJ needs a little bit of OGs <laughs> right now. OGs is the best edible brand <laughs> in the state uh, and we're taking some outside shots with my man Eddie as you all know OG's has been such a great uh, partner of ours and they continue to be they have some great uh, uh, pieces of uh, edible coming out and one of them is their happy time CBD uh, it's a it's an official strawberries and cream and it's hitting the shelf soon as always you can find them at your local dispensary you must be 21 and over to, to enjoy strawberries. the strawberries and cream it's a CBD THC one-to-one ratio mix listen if you don't know much about the game here I'll break it down for you uh, you got your indicas kind of mail you out it's, you know so it's good for like a you educate me a little bit of anxiety and like sativas you take them, uh, you, get, you get a little bit more energy, you get a little, you get a little hyped up, Probably you know. Problem uh, yesterday and then, course, uh, then the RSOs uh, kind of take you to a whole nother level. So, hmm. uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, it's great. But this happy time is kind of a nice balance in between your sativas and your, and your indicas. Wow. It kind of mellows you out, but it doesn't make you, you know, groggy or tired. 
and you move on with your day. So, oh, so that's how you showed up so, on the golf so course yesterday? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was already in the in a good mindset anyway because you've been talking shit for a year. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to beat him today. So, um, you know, hey, it's not my fault you fell apart on the 17th hole and took like 89,000 shots. Look, look, look. Look. That's all I'm doing, dude. Oh my God. I mean. You act like you're playing the long game. We only played $5. Five, five, five. All right. All right. Yeah, well, I, I, found 15, I found fit, I found $15. Some of us Under don't my make the floorboard in my like car you. the other day. Some of us don't make the big bucks like I'm you. talking I'm about fifteen dollars. Oh man. my gosh, fifteen dollars. We'll go twenty a whole. We'll 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 go twenty next time. Fifteen dollars. Oh my gosh, this I, guy what, always what, got minimized. What I do? Can I ask you a question? You notice I didn't give you three fives because I don't even know what a five dollar bill looked like. You gave me two fives. Stop. Uh, no, right. Somebody gave me two fives. I I don't even know what they look like. What is a five dollar? I had nothing but twenties in my wallet. What do you want? And five dollars. Oh my gosh! All right. Anyway, anyway, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you can bet on here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, mainly the Super Bowl coming to town starting next week, and then obviously the Waste Management Open, which is going to be just to me, it's the biggest shit show in the country, and it's the best shit show in the country. It's one of the funnest events yeah, I ever is. go to every single year. Uh, you know. How much do you think that, you know, people really appreciate the fact that not only that we have the waste management every single year here, but that we get the Super Bowl, I mean, basically every five to seven years in this valley, and now both of them are happening at the same time. How much do you appreciate the fact that these two events are now here? Well, I mean, I appreciate it. I, I, I just, I'm always bragging uh, on where I live. I think Phoenix is a tremendous place to live. Love it. And... I love the fact that people want to come here. Uh, they get on my nerves because now it's traffic jams and all of that, but I love it. I mean, you always, you know, a place where you live, you want to feel like, you know, people want to come there and visit your, 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 your town, your city. It's crazy, man. I like, and this is what the third time I think since I've been a Valley resident that, you know, we've had the Super Bowl and, and waste management and Barrett Jackson and whatever else that's going on at the same time, and it's just amazing. It's amazing to see the amount of people. It's great, obviously, for the economy in the city. Hotels right now, you know, I mean, hotels that was going for $120 a night, going for 800 mm -hmm. uh, but good for them. Uh, get all these people money that's coming in here. Maybe that will discourage them to come any other time other than the times that we don't mind them coming, okay? <laughs> so keep raising the prices. Uh, but uh, I love it, man. I go to waste management. I've participated in, the, you know, 16th hole shot for glory a couple of times. Uh, uh, how'd you do? Uh, the first time, Larry Fitzgerald tricked me. Like, he hit before me, and I asked him what iron did he hit? And it was, I think the shot was 135 yards shot, 140 yards. And that's back when I first started really playing. And, and you know, I had some clubs that weren't like the clubs I have. Now I'm not doing any infomercial for clubs unless you want to pay us, okay, for saying it. <laughs> I'm not saying the club. <clears throat> PXG. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, well, you know, now you told him you better go get, some, get, <laughs> get a sponsorship from him. But anyway, man, I hit a – I went down to a, a eight iron. Ooh. From 135. Yeah. Okay. At that time, no, I was only hitting my 7-iron 150 okay. with these okay. clubs. So, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you know, your swing, not like it used to be. It was supposed to be. Man, I said, I don't care. I, all, all I want to do, I didn't want to do like my boy Emmett Smith did, I think. He kind of shanked it to the right over in the crowd. Mm. 
And I said, I don't want to do that. I don't. I just want to hit it. Man, I lasered that sucker over the green. I didn't care. No, no. It just flew right over the green. That's not, that's not I, so bad. I didn't care. That's I not didn't so care. Bad. Now, was that, I mean, shit. Like, I, I only imagine, because I didn't realize it was only 135 to, like, mm -hmm. 150 range, right? Yeah. Um, until I, I went and played the course myself without the stands and stuff right. like that. Um, and it looks much closer without the stands. Of course. But when the stands are there, it looks like it's a pretty good distance away. Yeah, like you're, I thought it was like a 170, 180 shot. Yeah. Um, how nervous were you? I when, mean, I was nervous, but to me, nerves brings the best out of me. Okay. See, I, I always tell people that. Like, if you're not nervous, something's wrong with you. Like, you don't have passion for what you're getting ready to do. When I go speak to companies and... You know, I've spoken in front of Fortune 500 companies and trying to motivate them. That's nerves, man. Like, I'm shaking before I went out there. You talk to some people that's probably sitting there like, okay, what is he going to say? Yeah. You know, he's an athlete, right? And and so, yeah, nervous as heck. Uh, I just obviously emceed uh, the inauguration mm -hmm. for our tremendous governor, okay? And... Uh, Katie Hobbs, who's a tremendous Suns fan, uh, called me up and said, hey, I want you to present me. I want you to be the MC." And that's probably the most nervous I've probably ever been. I can imagine. Public speaking. In front of all those politicians down at the Capitol that really had no idea what I was going to say. And to walk out there in front of thousands of people and just – control the whole environment of that inauguration. That to me is the, that's the trophy right now for me yeah. out of all the things that I've done uh, and nervous, man. But you know what? Nerves brought the best out of me. There you go. That's just like, I, I'm nervous when I sit here with you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, before before we move on to the, to the last topic, uh, I do want to touch base on the Suns right now. Trades, it's trade season. Um, as a player, you've been through it. You know, like there, there's just a different, there's just a different energy in the building. It's probably more of a nervous energy in the, in the next week, especially when you get to to, to trade deadline day. Um, Jock Landell was in our studio yesterday, and he talked a little bit about his experience last year when he was with San Antonio and they were in Atlanta. And some of the nerves that everybody was kind of feeling in the in the building that day, not knowing who was going to go where and, and what was going to happen. Um, what do you, what do you expect the Suns to do before the trade deadline? Knowing that Matt Ishbia, um, on paper, he will officially be named the the Suns owner on February eighth, which is next Wednesday. Um, but we we all kind of feel like he's 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 probably moving the needle right now as we speak. <clears throat> what do you expect the Suns to do? Uh, which means they probably already have a deal in place uh, before that. And then it's not going to, as soon as he you know, takes over, and they're going to run off and start calling teams. Mm -hmm. they, they, they're doing that now. Yeah. I think they have an idea of what they want to do. And so they'll be ready to, to get it done uh, when it's official. I think that was part of the process, that you, you, they just could not be held up by pass ownership. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, and not be allowed and be restricted to do something. So I think that was part of the purchase of the team, that mm -hmm. it had to be done before the trade deadline. And I'm glad that it is done. 
And I, I, I definitely think that something is going to happen, with, especially with the Crowder situation. They're not going to let Crowder just walk. Yeah. I mean, that's just a waste. So I think, you know, he's going to probably be moved. And I just wouldn't be shocked if they did something else. I just wouldn't. If you had to guess, um, you know, from your vantage point in the seat that you sit in, um, if you had to guess <clears throat> a move, <clears throat> a move just a move to, to, to be made, or a move that's significant enough to elevate the Suns to to a no doubt championship contender. Not saying that they aren't right now, mm-hmm. but they need a lot of things to kind of go their way uh, when they hit the playoffs, mainly health wise. Mm-hmm. Um, which one are you leaning more towards? A, a significant move, or just you know it's it's a move and it, and, it, and it helps, but it's not really groundbreaking. A few months ago, you can probably look at the team and you can say, man, we need another guy that can go get his own shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need another guy opposite Devin that can, you give him Paul, give him the ball, run a play for him that, you know, he's got the, you know, the, mm, you know, and not be well, nervous and, and be worried keep, about it. And Mikhail go keeps get going. It. Jeez. I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They found it in Mikhail. I think he's come out of that shell uh, and you can just see it. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think he's proven now these last number of games, averaging over 20 points plus, that he can be that guy, especially what he did in San Antonio and what he did the other night. So I think now maybe they might settle in the fight. Okay. All right. So maybe now try to get bigger, uh, more versatile at that power four spot. I think to me, all due respect to Jay Crowder, I thought what Jay Crowder brought to this team was huge. Jay Crowder was this undersized man. He's six six and a half, man. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to be fighting with dudes 6'10 every night, boxing them out, thinking you're going to get a rebound. I just think they need to get a bigger presence uh, at that forward position. I think Dario is really improving game by game. But Dario, even at times, has, a, has an issue because he can't jump. Like he, He's just a wide body, but he doesn't have elevation to go get that tough rebound in the crowd. And so DeAndre gets a lot of the pressure because he's the only one out there that can obviously go do it. Torrey Craig playing power forward, undersized. So they, just, I think they need to get bigger in that area. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a guy that's a household name, just a dude that's just a dog that just loves to go get the rebounds, man. Because I think if the Suns take more field goals than any opponent, they're probably going to win. Yeah. that's I've, I've said that last number of years. If they find a way to control the glass, okay, one and done, and not give teams second and third opportunities, because the second and third opportunity a lot of times leads to an and one, a three, or a foul, something that you would have never gotten if you had gotten a rebound. And I think that's what they need. But if they can get back all healthy and keep it right and be able to turn this Jay Crowder deal or maybe a draft pick into a big body, Man, I'm all good with it. I think it's good enough. Uh, so, uh, but you know, so it could be a big thing happening too, man. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, folks, we we love to leave you on a positive note, but uh, unfortunately, sometimes uh, things in the world just do not, do not work that way. Um, you know, Eddie and I talked yesterday a little bit about uh, Tyree Nichols and and that situation in, in Memphis and that tragedy. Um, and really, uh, when it comes down to uh, humanity overall and the lack of it, um, and you wanted to, to, to say a few words and uh, let you have the floor. Yeah, uh, I'm disturbed. Uh, like a lot of people I know, they could not watch the video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an historian. I have my degree in history. History is my life. 
Uh, I love it from from just a sport aspect, obviously, where I'm on Twitter getting people right about the history of the game to where politics, I'm very opinionated. I do my research. I do my homework. I, I don't need to shut up and freaking dribble. I've earned that right. Pay taxes, a lot of damn taxes. I'm 63 years old. I've lived a life. Grew up in Cabrini Green and one of the worst housing projects in the country. I had my interactions with police in my life. Uh, I have a right to be able to express myself. And it's just very disturbing to me that you have people out there that think that you can't say anything because you're a freaking athlete. Yeah, It's a joke. So I had to address that. But watching that video, man, it's just disturbing because when I'm watching that video, Saul, I immediately go to my son who's 33 years old, who is a tall young man, uh, wears braids. You know, our perception is of people, how they look at certain people. And I went to my son as I watched them beat this young man. Just beat him. Like they were at a baseball game. Like, like they were standing in a batter's box. And just to do that and just be okay with it. Man, like, like, to be okay with doing that? Now, this group that was doing this, African-American males beating up someone that looked like them, okay, and they were part of a scorpion unit in Memphis. And what that stands for is street crimes, operations to restore peace in our neighborhoods. So they were put into this unit to be like officer friendly, like be a person in those neighborhoods that really maybe didn't have good interaction with white police officers to put these African-American males in there and to be able to maybe be able to talk to them. Yeah, bridge the gap. Yeah, bridge the gap. Because as many times me walking around the city of Chicago, I would see a police officer and I immediately would like get nervous. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to get nervous. I should get happy. And so to see them do that to him, and then after, he's, he's laying there on the ground, and they're standing around talking about, oh, he was fast. Oh, man, you see me hit him. I mean, having a discussion like they just played a game. Them dudes should never see daylight. Yeah. They, they should never see daylight. It's not about race. This is about humanity. This is about, and when we talk about, you know, black young men, this is what the message that we're sending people. It is not the first, obviously, and it's not going to be the last. This has been a continual thing. And until everybody tightens up, not just the police force, but everybody in government and everybody to understand that this is an issue, okay? That's what Black Lives Matter means. Doesn't mean that all lives don't matter. It just means that all the lives that's in the bubble right now, Black's outside the bubble. So we're screaming over here saying, our lives matter too. Can we get back, can we get in the bubble with you? Yeah. That's what that's what that means. And people that don't know it, kick rocks. Go learn. 
It has nothing to do with being separate from you and saying that, oh, our race is better than yours and they should pay attention to our race. No, no. What we're saying is we want to get in the bubble where you are. Protect it. Respect it. Not beat up. Not killed. Not pulled over for nothing. Like, he didn't do anything. This come out now. He had no traffic value. It was nothing he was doing wrong. No, he's a good kid. And there's some weird stories that's coming out about why they stopped him. And I'm not going to talk about it because I don't know how true it is. But the bottom line is, man, those dudes, those dudes, they should not see daylight. They shouldn't. They should not because they did not care. And those paramedics that showed up, they should go to jail because they didn't help the man. It's just sickening, man. It's yeah. just, and it's, it has to stop. You know, the lack of uh, empathy and the lack of, you know, just, you know, I don't know. When I was growing up, it, it was, there was the neighborhood I grew in. It, it was, you know, your neighbor took care of you if your parents weren't around. They looked after you. Uh, the neighborhood was kind of more like, you know, we all take care of each other kind of vibe, right? Um, and uh, you just don't see that anymore, right? Like the, the neighborhood I live in is, is actually, it's very culturally diverse, uh, but nobody talks to anybody on that street. Like everybody kind of stays in, in their own little bubble and they, and they move along. And I think that that's, that's part of this issue is that we've compartmentalized our lives so much that nobody really wants to talk to each other, to understand each other, to really uh, embrace each other and understand the differences that we all have from one another. And uh, in this situation, as tragic um, as it is, um, I think it just, it just gears more towards that. It's like this division of the police versus the public, um, police versus black people, police versus uh, different minorities that I just... I just can't comprehend how it's gotten so bad um, for so many people. And I, I, I really I, I really think that the humanitarian aspect of this is what's lacking uh, for, for a lot of these organizations. They just don't look at people as people. They well, look at them as as material. Yeah. They look at them as as a commodity or or an asset or something. And so they're easily disposable to them. And, right. I, and I think that's the biggest issue right here is that. We have to find a way. And, and this is this is even more than just the police, right? The way people approach each other on Twitter, the way people approach each other in real life. Um, if I don't know this person, then I don't really care what I say to them because it can't hurt me or it can't hurt them because they don't know me and I don't know them. Like, who cares? Well, no, it, it matters. It matters how you treat people. It matters even if, you know, it, what Michael Jordan used to say, um, I wanted to play every single game because I didn't know uh, what kid was showing up to the arena right. for the very first time, and it was the only time he would be able to see me play. And so that lifted him, right? You don't know what kind of impact you have on people. Mm -hmm. um, you have no idea. The first time I met this guy, it was just in passing. I was working for Bally Sports, and it just kind of became a tradition where I was standing there I was sitting at the in the press row and, uh, you know, doing my final game reports for Bally's and you would walk up mm -hmm. and to go to the post game show. Mm -hmm. And every single time we gave each other a thumbs up or yeah. a wink and you moved on. That small little thing, people, is the reason why we're here right now today. Exactly. It's because it built a relationship, even though it was just a, such a small thing. You know what I'm saying? So you just got to take care of each other. And I think that's the thing that this world has kind of lost a little bit is mm -hmm. just the empathy and the humanitarian aspect of of being being humans and, and loving right. each other and right. understanding that we're not here forever. We're not here forever. Yeah, and educate. 
Yeah. Like, uh, a lot of my white friends, they'll call me and because they didn't understand what the significance of Black Lives Matter was. Mm-hmm. Or they didn't understand some verbiage that they might have heard. And I just try to break it down to them. I said, I understand. It's hard for you just like it's hard for me. It's hard for me to be able to walk to school knowing that I'm going to get there without any interaction from somebody that wanted me growing up in the city of Chicago, that is, interaction from somebody or getting a hard stare from somebody that might think that I'm up to no good. Mm -hmm. I said, you've never experienced that. I said, you don't understand what it's like to be walking down the street and you can have somebody that's white or, you know, or somebody that's just uneasy cross the street because you're tall. You don't know what it's like. And this happened to me a couple of times in my life, but the most recently was up in Flagstaff where uh, I had just, I was at son's camp. I'm driving uh, back from, I had, I didn't, I didn't even have anything to drink, okay? Uh, might have had a little taste of wine. I was driving back. I happened to be looking at my phone because I didn't know how to get back to the hotel. And I looked at the phone and I said, oh, I got to make a right turn. And so I was in the left lane, was not swerving. So without my turn signal, I went to the, went to the right lane and I turned. No one was around me, no cars or anything. Next thing I know, car pulls me over. And he walks up and he says, I pulled off because I didn't want to pull in front of the hotel. I pull off. He walks up to me and he says, uh, you were swerving. And I said, no. I said, I just immediately made a right turn because that was my turn. I said, you're correct. I didn't have time to put my turn signal on, but no traffic was around me. And he's looked at me. And he walks back to his car. He makes me sit. Now, this is a white police officer. He makes me sit for 30 minutes. Then he comes back and he says, no, you were swerving. And so I'm going to have to test you. I said, okay, fine. So I get out of the car and I do my test. And, and I'm like, theatrical. He's telling me stand on one leg. I stood on one leg and I started doing all, I mean, you know, I mean, just like, dude, I'm going to show you I, I have not been drinking. <laughs> I happened to look over in the bushes. It was three police officers over there with their guns out. True story. And, and I looked at him and I said, why are they standing over there with their guns out? He said, well, because you're big. And I was worried. Jeez. That happened in Flagstaff. So... I mean, and there's other things happening to me in my life. So I, I try to tell my white friends, like, that wouldn't have happened to you like that. Yeah. You know, and I said, so that's why you have to open your eyes and just, you know, study past, you know, what you've experienced. And you think everything is just so splendid and so great, but you don't get that interaction, you know. And so that's what that means, man. It's like, you know, not asking for anything, not asking for anything more than you, just what you have in the respect category yeah, yeah. to be able to go live your life. And so when I talk to them about that, they understand it. And I give them stories of me growing up in Chicago and being chased out of neighborhoods by, you know, white teenagers because they don't want you in their neighborhood and just things that I went through as a young man. I'm blessed to be here, man. People just don't know that. 
I've been shot at. I've been robbed at gunpoint growing up in inner city Chicago. Man, I'm blessed to be here, man. Trust me, I am. Yeah. And and so for me, when this stuff happens, it bothers me. And now when I see people that look like me beating up on somebody that looks like me and happy about it, it's disturbing. Yeah. And that's why I don't wish the worst on anybody, but them dudes, I want them to get their due in prison. I do, because what they did to Tyree Nichols is just is just ridiculous, man. And I just, my thoughts and prayers are out to their families, his family, and, and my prayers are out to those policemen families too. Because you got to walk the rest of your life knowing that, you know, your son, your brother or whatever did something like that. Yeah. And they shouldn't have to go through something that they did as well. Yeah. Well, that was well said. Uh, again, you can learn so much from people. And if you just take the take a minute to understand what they're all about, um, it, it'll enrich your own life for real. And so uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh-huh. And uh, obviously... We, we move on and we hope that the world gets better and better. And uh, uh, next week, we won't be here. We won't be here next week. My man's going to be on the road. Uh, and obviously I'll be in your mind. We have, we have a whole bunch of stuff going on here in the Valley. So we're going to take next week a, a little bit of a break next week. But the week after that, we'll be back in full force. Uh, we appreciate you joining us today. You can follow my man, uh, Eddie Johnson, at JumpShot8 on and, and Twitter. And can I give a plug? And they can hear me three hours a day. There you Sirius go. SiriusXM, NBA Radio. From 2 to 5, right? From 2 to 5 Pacific time. There you yes. go. So there you go. All right. And then you can follow me on Twitter as well, Saul underscore Bookman. That's S-A-U-L, not S-A-L. Come on now. Uh, and uh, you can follow the show at PHNX underscore Suns. So follow us and enjoy. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you in a couple. Peace. Later. Later.